0: In this episode of the podcast, we talk about the career of Randy Orton. I'm joined, of course, by the man maintaining the streak, the legend that is Spud. And I'm also joined by former MLW referee Peter. And together, we will review the career of Randy Orton, the highs, the lows, and everything forgettable in between. Have a listen. Enjoy. The Legend Killer. So welcome to the podcast, gentlemen. This today we're going to be talking about Randy Orton and his career. As I think, and I hope, he's on the path to a championship match with Drew McIntyre here at SummerSlam. So I think it's a very apt time to be talking about Randy Orton. Joining me today we have Spud. Spud, you're the streak holder of the wrestling podcast in terms of the podcast, anyway. How's your day going and what's it mean to you to be back again on the podcast? What's it mean?
1: Uh what a question. Yeah, it's always a pleasure to be here. I couldn't let the streak die. Uh all streaks involved with wrestling should maintain. So I'm just <laughs> I'm, I'm being the four forefront runner for the podcast. The phenom of the podcast.
0: Somebody called me the other day and I was buzzing. <laughs> so that was you on a high for a week. <laughs> yeah pretty much <laughs> and we also have a special guest with us today Spud. we have peter making his podcast debut his podcast debut peter you live right beside the hawthorns in england how is have you had any beers any headaches any celebrations or have you tried to stay away how's your day going what's <laughs> happening
2: uh, i'm actually having a drink right now actually um <laughs> yeah been interesting over the last few days. Obviously, you know, with the the celebrations, with the uh, the promotion for the Premier League and things. Obviously, living so close has been uh, dead interesting. Uh, it's a pleasure to be on the uh, on the show. I know we uh, we tried to line things up before and couldn't get things in place. And it's a pleasure to uh, to be starring alongside the phenom <laughs> of the podcast uh, Spud himself. I know, thanks I think for
0: having me, guys. No problem, Pete. I th- I'm thinking I need to get us a, a bit of an entrance music for Spud going on though every podcast jesus (laughs) so we've all been wrestling fans for a very long time um randy orton has been around for what feels like a very very long time spud let's let's start with you um randy orton i'm going to run through just a bit of his i don't know let's say cv or resume perhaps 13 word titles An Intercontinental reign, a US title reign, three tag reigns, two Royal Rumble wins, Money in the Bank win. Randy Orton, just give me a quick couple of thoughts on Randy Orton.
1: One of the best ever should be considered. I think he gets overlooked a lot because he was sort of running alongside John Cena uh, for most of his career. Um, But yeah, he's Hall of Fame, first ballot Hall of Famer, 100%. I didn't know he only had one Intercontinental run. Um, yeah uh, when you're winning that many world championships I suppose that doesn't really matter uh, one of the best fun not so much fun to watch but easy to watch he's one of the most naturally fluid and gifted sort of wrestlers that they've had uh, since the turn of the century so yeah big fan love Randy
0: absolutely he really really is he's just so smooth and it's it's interesting too I'm, I'm convinced that when Edge returned he was handpicked by Edge as someone to work with to get him back into it, to feel safe, um, just due to how good and smooth he is in the ring. Pete, over to you. Give me a couple of thoughts on Randy Orton.
2: Uh it's interesting. Um, he's had a very interesting career, as in obviously you know I know Spuds just obviously highlighted his uh, title reigns. I mean you know for me i've been a, a fan of wrestling since the you know the mid 90s you know the very first memory for me going off topic slightly uh, to build that uh, time frame was when owen hart pulled out Yokozuna as his mystery opponent so i've been a fan of it for a long time so i've seen quite uh, more or less all of orton's career and for me it's, it's hot scotch it's it's hot and cold he's got 13 title reigns but for me I could only remember the first one, and what I assumed was the last one, and it actually wasn't. It was the one before. So a green, you know, a green spud, easy to watch, uh, easy to get get the picture of. I just I struggle right now where he is in his career to see where he would fit into conversations like top ten, Mount Rushmore, because like we've discussed previously off air, there are so many other people around him. Yeah, interesting
0: thoughts, and we'll, we'll we'll get some of those thoughts in more detail later on and as we go. But what what I really want to start with is just a couple of random little facts. Did you know he has won four awards through Mister Dave Meltzer, the Wrestling Observer. In two thousand and four, he won the Most Improved Wrestler of the Year, which pretty pretty big award, pretty good award. I mean, for Dave's followers and Dave's readers, that was probably like a wow moment. Um nine years later Mr Meltzer had very very much went off Mr Randy Orton as he picked up the Wrestling Observer Overrated Wrestler of the Year in 2013 it goes on to 2017 where again he picked up some maybe not wanted awards the worst feud and the worst match of the year both with Bray Wyatt in 2017 I don't remember too much about 2017 so I can't really comment on those but I thought that was sort of a bit comical
2: no, I can agree with that completely, 20, uh, especially the 2017. It was kind of in that area where we didn't really have a defined role. It was kind of just playing off the fact that he was Randy Orton, the 13-time world champion, but with no depth behind it. Yeah. Uh, I can feel that one.
0: Yeah, I, I honestly don't remember too much about his 2017 run. I felt that Wyatt in the belt at Chamber and dropping it at Mania right away, I just, I didn't buy into it. I wasn't bothered by it. Um, But moving on, we'll we'll go to the start of Randy Orton's career. Spud, Randy Orton lined up in OVW with a couple of massive names who became, or maybe massive names now in terms of the wrestling industry. Brock Lesnar, Dave Batista, and of course John Cena. Other maybe less notable names that he rubbed shoulders with down there would have been Shelton Benjamin and Doug and Danny Basham, maybe tag champions and stuff like that. Do you think running in OVW with some of those names and some of those workers put him in a very good position? Or do you think he was sort of killing a bit of time there to get up into the the main WWE roster?
1: Well, if you hear uh, stories about OVW, I think Brock Lesnar's the one that was killing time. Um, Randy was naturally gifted. I think he was always cocky and immature at the start, I think I've heard from uh was it the ruthless aggression with evolution and stuff like that rick flair was saying he was very immature at the start he had to be sort of wrangled in i think coming through in that class and being considered one of the top guys maybe the second from top out of all those guys uh, i don't know actually being like in that class you're always got, i mean jim Cornette still talks about it um fantastic group of athletes the future of the next like 15 years of the company or further on yeah he lucked out but he was probably the most naturally gifted in terms of wrestling out of that group you could argue brock but he relied on his strength towards a start and stuff like that yeah fantastic group of people i could see him i mean it's just it's a good place to start if you're going to work with somebody why not work with the people that you're going to make history with over the next decade and a half so yeah it helped him it had to have.
0: yeah yeah but i would agree there it, it definitely gave him such a platform to build i think mm-hmm. as you rightly said a bit of the sort of cockiness and the arrogance came in i mean i've heard jim Cornette talk about orton and ovw where he was extremely gifted he was athletic he was Brilliant in the ring, he was all these things, but the attitude maybe wasn't there. Pete, over to you. OVW Randy Orton, do you remember much? Have you heard much? Have you read much about Orton and OVW? Uh, And any thoughts on it?
2: Well, I did read one thing that uh, that cropped up today when I was doing a little bit of research, and I uh, it made me laugh actually. Randy Orton is actually a recognised Ohio Valley Wrestling Hardcore Champion, would you believe?
0: (laughs) I actually seen that in the list of accolades, and I sort of thought, you know what? I'll sort of just
2: skip that one but um yeah, i probably, sh- probably should have messed that you know uh it's ex- you know exactly what spud just said really he came through with good stock you know and if you're if you're within that that pool of people and those are the people that you're coming up with you're working with consistently you are automatically uh assuming that you uh you're going to pick up their trait. The guy did well. He wasn't down there for, for very long, was he? And then obviously came up and started doing his thing. I don't really know a lot about it. It was outside of, uh, of my remit of things. Obviously, I've seen little docu uh, posts that have been made about him and like features in like the evolution documentaries and stuff on the network and obviously listening to jim cornet i've heard some of the the things that he's had about him a lot of his stories from his earlier days are quite legendary with his attitude and one thing and another so yeah no came through at the right time i think yeah 100 percent. and
0: even is to go back before ovw being sort of disorderly discharged from the army and things like that you can tell there's a bit of attitude there a bit of you know cockiness or whatever and then, especially when you go up onto the main roster, so young, so athletically gifted, so talented, I would assume you would have boys in the back with the arm around him telling them he's brilliant, he's the next best thing, the arrogance goes through the roof, he's on SmackDown every week. Even though he had no real direction, he was sort of on SmackDown every week. And then, remember, he got injured. And I forgot about this until I watched the Evolution docu- the document, um, documentary Sorry, on the network and it had it talked about those vignettes where he was injured and kept coming up with like um a return to action video every week and i honestly, i remember back when i used to hate those that got him great hate in my opinion anyway cuz i hated them um but then he was just doing a, a lot of maybe solid wrestling matches at that point do you think spotable with you here spot do you think, it? whenever you've seen that Randy Orton come out, Randy Orton in the little blue trunks with the yellow stripes down it and Orton on the backside, do you think then people were looking at him and going, here's the future? Or do you think people were looking at him and going, here's another guy who's good in the ring, but he's no real personality?
1: Uh, the commentators wanted you to believe he was the future. I think the company wanted you to believe, but when I saw him, I just... Do you remember he did the O? Remember he held his hands up in a big O?
0: I f- no, I don't actually I don't have to look that <laughs> up a, now.
1: He literally, it's like, do you know the way ballerinas pirouette and they put their <laughs> hands on their head? But he just held it up straight. Awful. Also, was his finish crossbody from the top? I think, yeah. Yeah. Oh, was. no. He, or, did or that awful move MVP. Anyway. he did that MVP awful move as well, the overdrive or whatever. Yeah, he was just, he was coming through at a time where SmackDown was just filled with guys with normal names. He was just a solid wrestler. They all had the same haircut. He needed to stand out. And I think the injury actually helped him out. He was able to get his attitude across um, with those vignettes, like you were saying. So it's the best thing that could have happened to him, to be honest, because he was just another guy in my eyes, personally.
0: Yeah,
2: 100%. Pete, do you remember Randy Orton at that stage? I don't, I didn't remember, the same as you, I didn't remember the vignettes until I saw them on the documentary, I remember him coming out, I remember the backstage uh, promos with like Vince and things and I remember some of the matches, he was just a young, It was just a young third generation kid that they were pushing on commentary, it was more or less exactly the same as when Rocky Maivia came out and they were pushing him hard as well, so nothing really Uh, definitive came out of it Uh, I just think uh, that the injury that he received was ironically at the time but uh, it was good timing, it took him out of the pack and gave him some time to develop something
0: Yeah it really did because during that time of being out injured Ric Flair and Triple H banded together to start what they wanted to do which was evolution and push a couple of new stars and they handpicked Randy Orton and they handpicked um, Batista there's also a little flirting with Mark Jindrak and stuff in there Orton's sort of best friend and it's sort of been well documented that Orton and Jindrak together were insane together apparently going by Triple H and Flair's comments but it really that injury and being out allowed him to come back fresh revigorated and part of something bigger and better there's 49 world title reigns with the Evolution 4 as a whole as a group Spot how important was not only just being part of Evolution, but being one of the focal points of Evolution to get him over for Randy Orton.
1: Well, uh, like I said in the very first podcast, uh, I was surprised when I did my little old tally up and Evolution ended up being my favourite uh, stable ever. Um, I think they do everything right in that. Ric Flair is an old school guy. Obviously, Triple H is a, looks back in old school and looks up to Ric Flair, so it has the same mentality. If you're in a stable, I think there should be a present guy, a couple of future guys, and a, a legend. I think that's the right kind of uh, stable to build off, because it makes stars. It made two of the biggest stars going forward in Batista and Orton. Orton was the worker. Orton was the guy that was doing everything, Um uh, Yeah, I think it was very important. The fact that he was picked even when they had that trouble with him and Jindrak. The fact that Shane McMahon was so high on Jindrak and stuff like that and Orton was still picked. I think that says a lot as well. Um, Just He was always going to be there. He's a talented enough guy. He's third generation. But this cemented him as like, we should be watching this guy. We need the pay attention because he's the real real deal you <laughs> can barely speak here <laughs> i've had a tin of monster uh but yeah i he couldn't have uh, ended up in a better faction stable whatever you want to call it two of the best ever uh, in your ear uh, a gifted big guy to watch your back fantastic stable and yeah it, i mean it benefited him no end
0: yeah Absolutely, and I think, too, with the attitude and the cockiness and the things that were going a bit crazy, him outside the ring and stuff, being around the Triple H and Ric Flair, it didn't seem to stop that, but it seemed to certainly limit it to an extent where they could at least put the arm around and say, stop doing this, don't do that, and at least try to keep a lid, the attempted self-destruction around the Orton, if, hmm. we, if we put it that way.
1: When you've got Ric Flair out drinking you, out womanising you, <laughs> <laughs> at twice your yeah. age, you know, you can't really can't really pay attention too much to that you will get
0: overlooked (laughs) that's fair it's fair. pete over to you the evolution stuff evolution time period being part of the group what did it mean for randy orton's career
2: uh low-key from a backstage perspective i uh i honestly believe it to be one of the defining moments of his career not so much from a character perspective but a straight and narrow perspective you know these documentaries that they've put out and things have been well documented that he that he was uh, you know he enjoyed his uh, he enjoyed his youth shall we say um, you've already bought about the Jindrak things those two were sub- supposedly an absolute nightmare together and then obviously there are legendary stories about Randy Orton when he's been out and he's been approached and he's swore at people he's broken people's uh, personal property I think the one that I uh, Seems to refer to the most was when somebody tried to take a picture of him on a nightclub on a balcony and he took their camera and threw it off the balcony, which I always <laughs> thought was quite, quite funny from a, uh, in the public eye, uh, story. But yeah, I actually think it probably saved his career. Um, you know, I think one of the big things with WWE is obviously they'll take stock out of, out of whoever they think is going to be their future, but nobody's bigger than their company. And, you know, he was probably going down a slope that, that I don't think they probably uh, highlighted how big of a deal it was with some of the stories we've heard. I can imagine, you know, it was 10 times worse, most most likely. But like you say, being around those guys with somebody like a Ric Flair who could, as Spud said, take him out and absolutely ruin him, but also knows the pitfalls about having a wild life. It, it, I think it was what kind of rooted him in and kept him there. I really do. Yeah, I mean, I I always liked the Randy Orton,
0: I would say probably the Evolution period, but more so I related to the Legend Killer period, but he was part of Evolution at this stage, which probably my favourite era of Randy Orton. Um, He had a huge feud with Mick Foley, one that really put him over, which is quite ironic considering Foley had retired, but the heat he was getting from spitting Foley's face, kicking him downstairs, screaming at him, just being so cocky and so arrogant to this le- recently retired legend in the last sort of four years, still fresh in everyone's mind. Majority of the fans still watching then watched Mick Foley. So they knew who he was. It wasn't a lot, it wasn't like maybe bringing some of the legends of the 80s out now where the fans were like, who is this? Um, but at this stage, everyone knew who Foley was. He was getting great heat. Spud, do you think there was a lot of? Do you think the Mick Foley feud played a lot into Randy Orton's development?
1: Yeah, hundred um, percent. It sort of legitimized him. Uh, the fact that alleged in like Mick Foley. Mick Foley is a master at putting people over. Always has been. Did it weigh edge a couple of years after this? Um, I think it showed that not only was Randy Orton gifted athletically, he was able to. Get down and dirty, thumbtacks, taking backdrops into thumbtacks, whatever. Um, I love this iteration of Randy. Like you said, the legend killer was fantastic. Kicking Mick Foley down the stairs. Mick coming back at the rumble and attacking Test, I think. Just <laughs> to bring it all full circle. Um, but yeah, I love this feud. I really enjoy it. Was it Unforgiven, their hardcore match? Or Backlash? Backlash. backlash. backlash yeah great matches legend killer the best in hindsight legend that he killed was uh the fabulous Miller, who took an rko <laughs> like a champion and probably deserved a bit in the head as well so um yeah fantastic i love this era like you say i've probably put 2009 sort of bald crazy hearing voices orton over this one as my favorite but it, it's just fun the fact that it's came back in 2020 and he's Uh, back to killing legends just (laughs) speaks volumes at how good this was
0: yeah yeah absolutely Pete Pete, moving over to you here if you have any thoughts on Mick Foley and that feud please feel free to share but I would love you to touch on the IC title and holding that title for a period of time I think he held it for around 8 months 7 months something along those lines and he dropped it to Edge in an absolute classic ironically considering that's who he's feuding with these days at Vengeance 2004. Have you any thoughts on the Foley time period or the
2: IC title sort of feud and match with Edge? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Spud really nailed the Foley thing. First and foremost, you know, a a quick little 30-second montage to Foley himself. Foley's a wrestling fan. You know, say what you want about him, you know, and and other people that have come after him from other industries and one thing and another. Foley's a wrestling fan. He has been his entire career. He was before it and he is now. So to see some of the things that he's done for people and some of the stuff that he wanted to do. I mean, do you guys remember that when they bought uh, they were going to contemplate bringing Dean Ambrose up to the main roster? His main feud was going to be with Mick Foley to start out, but yeah, Foley had I, a Yeah, I, I do actually him. remember reading that online. You know, and he'll do anything to help anybody. And like uh, as Spud quite rightly said, it was a career defining moment for all, and it kind of showed us that st- this sadistic side that he's going to carry through up until this present day. Um, the IC belt kind of gave him, uh, where the McFoley feud defined him as a person and a vindictive character, the IC title gave him credibility. It gave him stock to be able to, to back up everything that he'd already proven. Um, obviously it was at the right time with the people that were around him. So that kind of, there's a, there's a very famous um, quote that I'm ironically going to use again a little bit later on with some of his world title reigns, where it's, the title doesn't make the man, the man makes the title. But at that point in time, I actually think they complemented each other. The Intercontinental belt was a bit wishy-washy, and some of the things that he did with it and the length of time that he held it around some of the defences that he had, kind of solidified both in an era where both kind of needed that rub do you know what i mean yeah yeah 100 percent. and that match with edge
0: um was an absolute cracker Um I mean, was, correct
2: me if i'm wrong was that when edge came back from having uh, the neck injury was, it, yeah, he, yeah. was he coming back after the think, broken neck
0: yeah it was after that yeah it was 2004 it was vengeance and it was followed up by chris benoit and triple h in a world title match which was actually very good as well but that IC match with Edge, I, I had a quick sort of Google search around the Orton best matches, and that IC title match with Edge seems to be very high in everybody's list, and it's something that sticks out to me. I mean, it was um, a Raw-only pay-per-view at Vengeance, and that match went a good 30 minutes, which in that period of time, 2004, unless you were sort of Shawn Michaels, you didn't really get 30-minute matches. And I think giving Orton and Edge a platform for 30 minutes on a pay-per-view in the match before the last match before the main event said a lot about where they seen Edge where they seen Orton and the importance of Orton dropping the belt to Edge in that match I think that was very very key for him but Spud moving on from the IC title match SummerSlam 2004 became the youngest champion in WWE history the youngest world champion in WWE history he beat Chris Benoit in my my opinion an, an excellent wrestling match any thoughts on his first title reign and on the match with Benoit? Uh, it was a good match. Um,
1: it's. I think it was kind of this is, kind of a spit in the face. Or I've heard rumors that they only did it to get Brock Lesnar off as the youngest. The youngest uh, world champion. I don't know if that's true, but by this point he'd left, at Mania, yeah. and. I think they did it for that reason and. That's, I mean, it, it sort of holds up when you consider how it went after. He held it for, like, what, a month? Mm-hmm. And Triple H did 2004 Triple H stuff, Baker Shorts Triple H. Uh, so, yeah, that was always good. I like the, where they kicked him out of the, the thumbs-down
0: yeah.
1: evolution thing. Loved all that. I think this is the reason that Randy Orton sort of flopped about for a while. I think he's an awful babyface follow him on twitter even when he in private he's an awful baby face unless you're <laughs> his unless you're his kids you know what i mean he will treat you like garbage but love the match it doesn't get talked about for obvious reasons it was a it was a surprise and i think he even showed it well that you know the shock of winning it yeah good match but in the long run did it help him don't think so um, it's only memorable because of how it ended and where he was afterwards, I, I think this is the start of floundering kind of, just going from match to match, pay-per-view to pay-per-view kind of Randy, that I didn't enjoy as much as Legend Killer So
0: Yeah, I thought I th- I I really thought the ending was good, it was really the, the RKO out of nowhere type not the stale, maybe a, a hashtag that he made famous a lot of years later but rko out of nowhere against Benoit, and I thought that Benoit coming back and giving him the handshake and screaming, yeah. i be a man, shake my hand. I thought that was really, really good and really well done. Um, I think that's a very good thing to help get someone over when it's used correctly and timely. And it was here, I thought. Pete, any thoughts on Orton's first world title win and the Benoit match and even up to the turn with Evolution?
2: Yeah, the match was great. Um, as but uh, as just said, actually... It, it wasn't one of the uh clear defining points from from that year. Obviously I think it's gonna take a lot to break the uh, the spell and the mystique of the match with uh Foley. Um obviously it didn't last very long. Um obviously there are specific reasons for, for for that that have obviously already been documented through like the documentary and stuff and the way he was carrying himself. Um I think the the turn and the subsequent title range were both An and Batista were done the right way. I don't think the flow... I mean, we'll never know because it wasn't done that way. Uh, You know, you can fantasy book. But I don't think the flow for Batista would have worked the right way if Batista had have been kicked out first. you know what I mean? Yeah, I would agree with you. I like the way that he was still there to muscle Peru. It wouldn't have worked if the three of them had beat on Batista as much as it did with Batista being the heater with flair for Triple H.
0: Yeah. It was really a case of too much too soon, maybe, when you when you listen to some of the maybe the experts at the time and watch the sort of docuseries and stuff like that. Specifically, being the champion, a lot more was expected of him. He probably wasn't ready. That's what Triple H said anyway when he had to drop it after a month. There could be more to it than that. I agree with Spud that it was a bit of O four 4 Triple H, maybe just booked himself to hold the belt again. But it was really... 2005 it really was. Spotter agree with what you said. He, he sort of floundered a little bit. But in between the floundering, there was a very long-standing feud with The Undertaker. Started off at WrestleMania 21. In my opinion, an all, another very good match. He feuded with T- Taker, Mania 21. He lost SummerSlam. He got the win back. And then Hell in a Cell. He lost in another very good match. Do you think the feud with Taker was something purposely done in the context but uh, put him up against a veteran a locker room leader someone he's going to respect someone that's not going to take any crap from him to learn or do you think it was a key a business case of a, oh he's a star just put him against another star or do you think it was a bit of everything
1: A well about both nobody respects the undertaker or nobody gets as much respect as the undertaker does he's the most respected guy uh, i think even randy orton and his younger Wilder days isn't going to come up and treat Undertaker with anything less than the respect he deserves. So having him there for a year, working with his dad as well during the feud, yeah,
0: that's right.
1: that that would probably help up until his dad's wasn't in the feud anymore for for some reason. Did you hear why his dad's stopped being in there?
0: I was actually trying to think. I was sort of thinking, did they do a spot? Did they take I can't remember. I I was sitting thinking. He's did
1: they got. Do? He's got. Uh, I think it's hepatitis B. Bob right. Orton's got hepatitis B. Undertaker and he didn't, didn't declare know. it. Yeah, he didn't declare it, and Undertaker didn't know. Found out afterwards after Bob had bled all over him. Oh no way! And next step. So maybe it runs in the family, being a bit of a an Egypt. But again, <laughs> just showed how much stock was put in the Orton. Uh you consider his last couple of feuds were against Evolution in general, Triple H. Undertaker, Mick Foley, even Edge for the IC, just shows how much they sort of regard him. He is the future. This guy is legit. Their mini match was fantastic. I think Orton's one of the only people that I believe are legitimately scared (laughs) when Undertaker comes in. (laughs) Uh he did really good facials and stuff like that. So yeah, I think a year long feud with the Undertaker at this point in his career couldn't have done anything but legitimise him. Uh, A little bit more and maybe calm him down. Well, no, it didn't in the long run, (laughs) but maybe for that year, maybe he was the most well behaved Randy Orton that we've come to know up to this point.
0: Yeah, and I mean, that was the first. I was actually doing a bit of research into this, and apparently, I can't remember now off the top of my head, maybe one of you guys will remember, but I, I read that that was the first time they really started pushing the streak, and Orton was going to beat the streak with Taker. I know they'd mentioned Undertaker being 10-0 at Mane 18 and stuff, but apparently this was the first time they made the streak, an actual thing, and Orton was coming in to beat the streak, as was his prerogative as a younger guy. I'm not sure if that rings
2: any bells with you guys, but I remember reading that. It doesn't, doesn't ring with me. I think it works in with the, with the whole Legend Killer uh, yeah. gimmick, though, and obviously pushing facts to break and things. Yeah, and... Pete, any thoughts on feuding with The
0: Undertaker for a year and any of those matches? Anything stick out to you?
2: I think it was solid, mate. You know, all of the matches were good. It was all very much, uh, you know, chicken running from a predator. Um, You know, it kind of showed us uh, elements of, of, of a softer side in terms of, There is a vindictive person there, but there's always somebody there that's bigger than them that they have to kind of try and evade. I liked that uh, chicken-esque Randy Orton, and I kind of think a lot of the foreshadowing for the out-of-nowhere stuff kind of manifested through that as well in terms of having to find solutions to get out of these situations with Undertaker. And the Mania match, well, well, it speaks for itself, really, doesn't it? Yeah,
0: absolutely. I mean... Sort of after the taker thing in these couple of years, he really was bouncing around, sort of between the mid card, the upper mid card, and the main event, sort of shuffling between that sort of area in the card. And it maybe was down to his personal life, not trusting him. But he was a star. He was sort of established at this. Well, sort of, he was established at this point. He he then main evented, well, somewhat main evented in the middle of the card. Let's put it that way. I know WWE would say he main evented because it was a world title match. Middle of the card, WrestleMania 22. I actually really, really, really love this match. It's Kurt Angle, Rey Mysterio and Randy Orton for the world title. I always thought that was a really good match. And that was right in the middle. Or probably more so towards the end because Angle left shortly after this. But that was, in my opinion, the best Kurt Angle, the wrestling machine Kurt Angle. I love that Kurt Angle. But he was in the world title picture still after this before sort of being relegated to Money in the Bank the following year and a bit of a tag division thing with Edge and Rated RKO. Do you think this was the the company, Spud, sort of saying, D'Orton, you need to relax here, you need to calm down, you need to sort of get everything together before we put you right back to the very top?
1: I think it's... Uh, well, the fact the quote-unquote main Mania, I hated the build-up to that Mania as well. That was the whole Eddie Guerrero using his death uh, to promote a pay-per-view. Very classy move. I think... We said in a in the SummerSlam podcast, we were talking about how I don't really rate RVD. I always think he's a little bit sloppy and, hey, whatever, whatever. And he gets by with his athleticism. I think Randy's the same way, but he's more crisp and better than RVD, basically. So you can put him anywhere, and he'd be happy enough. I don't think if you have him in a tag team with Edge or winning Money in the Bank for a couple of years or whatever I don't think he'd mind you said uh, RVD is just happy to be there, I think Randy's just happy to be paid Uh, so (laughs) I think okay, I'll do a tag match, I'll do a tag run with Edge, 100% money in the bank, sounds good but I'm not falling off a ladder, you know it's just kind (laughs) of he's just he'll do what he's told uh, as long as you pay him basically I think he's that that kind
0: of a full time Brock Lesnar
1: yeah, basically, he's always there. He's too talented to keep him down for that long. He's had a couple of strikes on the wellness,
0: yeah,
1: and he just comes back, and he's straight back into the main event. He's too talented. You can't keep him away for long. The only time that he goes away for a long time is just when he's sort of walking about or wants a six-week holiday. Um, any other time, no matter how much you punish him, by putting him in a tag team, he's still going to be in the main event against DX. You know what I mean? So <laughs> I think he's just happy and talent shines through. So that's why he's cocky. That's why he has been cocky his entire career because he knows how good he is and he can just walk through, yeah, I'll do a main event match, 13 title reigns. Why not? That's all good. Just added to my list. So I think, yeah, uh, he's just there or thereabouts. And I, d- I don't think he sees it as a relegation. I don't really see it. You can't be in the main event your entire run unless you're John Cena. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Pete, over to you. Any thoughts on anything uh, Spot has just said, or that little maybe time period in Randy
2: Orton's career? No sentiments are the same, to be honest, mate. It was the uh, it was the start of the uh, head bobbing era of uh, Randy Orton. I don't mean replicating D'Lo Brown. Um, <laughs> it it was it was just obviously. It was a spot that weren't really necessant for for, for him there. Obviously, as Spud said, that uh, match in particular at Mania was always going to be destined for Real uh, Mysterio for the feel good rebound for the fans post Eddie. Um, yeah, it was really. I'm just having a quick look at something that I'd uh, that I'd popped down and. Yeah, it was, it was a weird time for Randy Orton. Obviously he was going through some personal demons. He was dealing with some substance issues and things. And the company still kind of had their stock in him. They kind of built him now for around this time for, for, you know, for a good chunk of upper mid card space. And, and the faith was still there. I just don't know how much of it he was having within himself at that time. Uh, he was still having great great matches uh, no dis- uh, disappointment from me in terms of rated RKO I just think it was the, where, we'll, obviously, where we've spoken before about my feelings about him uh, having a big chunk of his career that I don't remember, I think this was the start of it.
0: He was sort of just bopping around in between a couple of different levels but as Spud said you can't be in the main event your whole career and at times you did have to drop down and stuff and regardless of what was going on in his personal life and what position he was in his matches were always very good. And that's sort of something, I'll be, I know what you said earlier, Spud, in terms of like quality wise, it's very, very good. But he's not the type of guy to be doing flips, jumping off ladders and anything crazy, which especially in today's wrestling, it's sort of, that's sort of been lost a little bit. Where, where would you see Randy Orton, just to break up the, the the going through the career, where would you see Randy Orton in terms of an in-ring worker, spot?
1: I think uh, we talked about Flair, and obviously he was taken under the wing by Flair. We talked about him in a previous one, doing a lot with a little. He works a crowd really well. He had a match uh, with Kurt Angle at an ECW pay-per-view, and he worked the crowd like a champion. Everybody knows about the Randy Orton headlocks. He'll get into a headlock, but he'll do it on purpose. Like, there was somebody holding a sign at that ECW pay-per-view saying, oh, not another headlock, Randy. And you know that Randy's seen it. And it's went, right, happy days. I'll get him down for the next three minutes and really annoy you. He knows <laughs> how to... He's he's underrated as a storyteller. He can read a crowd really well. He's a natural heel. Like, what the, his biggest moves are a power slam, a cool backbreaker that he does. There's nothing that really... He will... He said that he can work until he's fifty, and the style that he does, even though he's a bit injury-prone, like he can't even slap a mat without his shoulder just popping off. But he's he's too naturally talented uh, to be doing like high-flying moves. He doesn't need to. Sure, he got in that Twitter spat a couple of years ago with the uh, do flips, or and then this year he's doing slap the leg, and <laughs> he just, he, just <laughs> he knows he knows how to wind people up. Uh, he's got the best finisher going, uh, up there with a stunner, just coming out of nowhere. He's a great worker, but he knows how to work a match. It you can't really look back and pick out like a lot of standout Randy Orton matches. They're a little bit samey. But in his best matches he's up there with the best ever, if that makes sense. So his standard sort of level of match would be like a six out of ten, solid. But not really memorable. But in his really, really good matches he can he can go. Yeah. Um but it's it's working with what you've got and not doing too much. So yeah, he's he's great. I think he's underrated as a worker because everybody just thinks about the headlocks or the chin locks.
0: <laughs> yeah, what about you, Pete? Any any thoughts on just Orton as a worker before we continue on with um sort of chronologically his career?
2: Yeah, same thing. He knows what he what his strengths are. And he knows how to play them. I think a lot of that may have come from the time he spent with Flair. Because, uh, you know, I was listening to the, the the last episode that you guys did. And there's a reoccurring point in there about Flair that somebody mentioned that I'll bring up exactly the same about Randy. Flair did... Was it the match where you somebody was watching uh, Rick Flair versus Jericho and somebody said Flair did five moves? Yeah. Randy's exactly the same. His strength, he's like you say, it's knowing how to read a crowd. And knowing how to adjust in order to that. He doesn't need to do a lot, you know. Like I said, the guy wants to, uh, as Spud said, the guy wants to work to 50. You know, I think he could do it. Yeah. I think we'll move on to that a little bit later because I have a strong opinion of how tying his career together from the age now of 40 up to that stage could really define him as a character. I think those of these coming years are the big important years because, again, as Spud said, he is a good worker. You know, you. I've been watching stuff today to do research notes for this. And I've seen phenomenal matches. Ric Flair versus uh, Randy Orton in the cage at Taboo Tuesday. They were both a bloody mess. It was a phenomenal match at main event at the show. Yeah. And it's these kind of things that you forget because when you look at... But but it's the same with Flair. People think about the things that are always highlighted, like the steamboats and things. But their body of work from bell to bell is eerily the same and i think that's where he kind of falls down
0: orton he's one of those guys too that maybe maybe not the same level as flair but when he's on the card people are interested you know he looks the part he has a name he has a bit of attitude about him he has a reputation people want to see him people pay to see him and that's just sort of it and they and it's really only when you stop and you study as you sort of yeah. said, and you look at these matches, you go, oh, this is all quite similar, actually. <laughs> or when you've Can watched, you know, you a for a 15 there? years or
2: whatever. Can I actually give you a quote there from JBL yeah. about something that go you ahead. pretty much just said? JBL was quoted during the entrance for the Mania match with Seth Rollins as saying, if you were to build a superstar from the ground up, it would look like him, Randy Orton, Bob's son. And it, you can't argue that. <laughs> yeah. head to toe.
0: I remember, actually, it was one of the it was during the promo to build up to Backlash 04 it was a quote from the king and he was saying he's the he's, he's so young he's so talented he looks like he's chiseled out of stone I mean it seemed it was a very WWE commentator thing as Spud mentioned earlier right through from his debut before he was even in Evolution where they were high on making you believe that this guy was something special and they they done it the whole career a couple of things we glossed over I'll just mention uh, no mercy 2007 he lost the belt at the start of the match and regained it or started the pay-per-view and regained it at the very end i thoroughly enjoyed that as an angle as a one-off there's also great matches pete you mentioned there with rick flair in the cage there was a there was a really good match in terms of storytelling with dusty Rhodes. but we, we're going to move on to spud's favorite randy orton Legacy Randy Orton. The sort of rebirth, the cool, the heel Randy Orton, the unhinged Randy Orton voices in his head. Spud, floor's yours.
1: Just snake Randy Orton. Shave your head and look like a snake. Uh, slither about. It's it's the best one. I think he played the whole unhinged thing to perfection. He got his doctor's note to say he had that made-up disease. What did you call it? I can't
0: remember. I'm going to have a look at
1: he it. Had, it's like... You Google it when I'm talking, because he had okay. a, it's something explosive. But anyway, he had that, so they couldn't fire him for kicking Vince McMahon in the head, which <laughs> makes no sense. There's a reason he's kind of merged this, where he's putting people in the head. Uh, they should never get rid of that. And the legend killer, so they're coinciding at the minute, where he's kicking Big Show and stuff. I like that move. Also, because I always diss RVD the past couple his selling of the bit uh, to the head is fantastic. Everybody just goes limp and like lies down with their eyes closed. RVD had like a faraway stare, so I'll actually put him over for a change. <laughs> um, did I like Legacy? Uh, not overly, especially the way it ended, where they were all just fighting each other. I never rated Ted. Some yeah, I like the I like the whole build up to the most disappointing Mania main event ever. Was it Triple H? Raided Randy
0: Orton's fake
1: house with yeah. his fake wife. Yeah, it's true. And
0: threw him through his window. Do you know? That's um, funny. I I actually I looked that up actually because I watched that and one of the comments on YouTube said that it was up to Orton to hire you know who was to pl- who the girl was to play his wife and apparently according God. to this comment on YouTube it was a Playboy model. <laughs> I was like, God. that's so <laughs> Randy Orton. That's
1: <laughs> Rick Flair in his ear, man but. Um, <laughs> No, I enjoyed it. I liked the the psycho Orton. I, I really liked that whole side of it. And I think that's, again, after this is when he floundered for a bit more. But I, I just liked that he was kicking people in the head. And they couldn't do anything about it. Yeah. And people were, it, was a, it wasn't getting kicked in the head. And then a week later, you're back with a bandage on. RVD was gone for six weeks. Uh, Vince wasn't seen on TV for months. You know, they were gone for a while yeah uh, maybe that's why you can't really use it these days it's like a a semi career killer but <laughs> yeah i i like i just like it. I really enjoyed how, the psychotic side of it
0: I can't remember his made up disease though it's intermittent explosive disorder
1: i e d all you can think of was <laughs> i came ahead and I'm like oh that's a bomb isn't it but, yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah yeah so it's made up because he got a doctor's note. And that's like the heelish, the most hellish thing you can do, is you can't do anything my doctor says, so I'll tell my mum on you, you know. <laughs> Love this Randy Orton. The end of it, the Mania match with Triple H is awful. Just boring. Yeah. But very good.
0: There's yeah, a little great. forgotten gem in there, I find, with this Randy Orton. And it's Shane returned to fight him because of what he done to And for about three weeks, she was on TV, and then they had an unsanctioned match. Or a no or no, hardcore match or whatever it was on Raw where the match didn't even technically end, Orton just kicked him in the head and walked off. And I just thought but that was class. You know it- It's
1: class, it's class, but I think Shane coming back and having like a feud. They did it with Kane as well when he unmasked. Puts a it puts the brakes in any feud.
0: Yeah, I, I, I agree with you on Shane. It was yeah. more so that little finish is more so what I'm referring to, but yeah, I, I'd agree. Uh,
1: sorry. He won the Rumble that year as well, didn't he?
0: Yeah, he did. Yeah. A very underrated yeah, Rumble. Good. It was actually very fun to watch Rumble. One of, the, one of the only few around that time period. Yeah. Over to you, Pete. Randy
2: Orton, yeah, I think that, Legacy, and I think, what Spud said. I think that year kind of slipped under the radar a little bit for me in terms of Orton. I was never really a huge fan of uh, Legacy. Uh, I liked the, I liked Cody. Uh, you know, when Cody came through with the dream, obviously being an old school fan, I kind of uh, hooked onto that a little bit. For him to be the head of a faction at the time, I didn't think he was even in a place for himself to be, to be a leader of a group. Theoretically, let alone literally having a group. I saw the premise behind it. Obviously, they had uh, Manu with them, what was that, for like uh, five minutes and and then he disappeared. The the, the stuff with the McMahon's perfect. You know, I can't get my own way, so if you're not going to give it me, I'll take it. The Mania match with Triple H was awful. I think it would probably go down as one of the worst of all time.
0: Yeah, I would agree, 100%. And I think it wasn't helped going on after Shawn Michaels and Triple H, or Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker, sorry, but. Even still, like, I went back and watched that match recently just as a one-off match. I didn't watch the pay-per-view, didn't watch anything else, just that match. And it was very poor. It really is very poor, even as a standalone match. And probably just looked dreadful after Sean and Taker, to be honest.
2: I mean, I don't I don't want to be controversial and throw a, a spanner in the mix here, but I think quite a lot of that probably comes from Triple H. Yeah, he's not the easiest of person to, uh, to draw an iconic match out of you look at some of the things that he's done I know it's totally off the mark, but um they've always been with people that you think, oh okay well, that person has done that more than so I, I kind of you can kind of remiss a little bit there I think personally anyway
0: yeah I mean that's an interesting opinion. We'll actually do a triple h um profile at one stage sort of podcast and we'll get you on to discuss those points because I think that's yep, a, that's, a, that's a really interesting point. But after this match, towards sort of the summer and further on, he went into a feud with John Cena. There were some very good matches in there, and I Quit match it was a Hell in a Cell match, but it did feel a bit like a never-ending feud to me, just purely because at every match there was some sort of crazy stipulation. You know, it went from a singles match, an I Quit match, to Hell in a Cell match, to an Iron Man match. You know, just it just it just seemed to never end. Did you think much about this feud with Cena and Orton? Or were you sort of bored off it like I was quite early on? spot you first?
1: Bored. This is at a time where, you know, I was kind of dipping in and out. I mean, the fact that they've ended the feud about four times wasn't the last, like, Hell in a Cell match or whatever. It was, like, last time ever. It's just kind of meh. I don't think they work well together. I just don't... There's nothing exciting... I can't remember a good match with the two of them, yeah. which means that they probably were all fine, but there's no standouts. I even remember Batista versus John Cena better, and Orton's a better worker, so I don't understand why. But when I'm looking back, I honestly cannot remember. Aside from the spot that they did about eight times where the AA was turned to the uh, uh, RKO, that's a cool spot but they've overdid that because they're constantly feuding. It just It's like, imagine Hulk Hogan and Ultimate Warrior were just on every pay-per-view. <laughs> you know, it, it dampens the mistake. It dampens the, oh my God, it's John Cena versus Randy Orton. Like, it was a joke towards the end. It's yeah. like 39 times in a lifetime. You know,
0: like, yeah.
1: who cares? Who cares after, like, 10 matches? It's a problem with WWE in general, modern WWE. Like I said, what if Hulk and Warrior were just, like, on Raw every week in tag matches and six-man matches and blah, 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 blah. Up until he started fuming with, like, Christian, I turned off Randy Orton. So,
0: yeah, yeah, and just before we move on to that, because I know, Pete, this is sort of an era for you, for Randy Orton, that he sort of went maybe you didn't care as much. But before we get to you on that, the only thing I would say about the cena Orton match there's there's certain people you can just put them together like Shawn Michaels could pretty much go in there with majority of people and just have a decent match, or at least a decent match minimum. But Randy Orton and John Cena for me anyway, it's it's one of those matches that sort of relied on the gimmick match more than the actual story between them two. For example, it's John Cena versus Randy Orton in an I Quit match. Like the I Quit match was the focal point, or the Hell in the Cell match was a focal point or the Iron Man match was the focal point. It was never, in my opinion, about it's John Cena, Randy Orton. It was always they seemed to play the gimmick up higher than either of the two competitors which is something, in my opinion, which shows maybe the weakness of them two together. But Pete Spud mentioned there where he sort of went off Randy Orton just after this and there's a period that, that you mentioned to me where you sort of lost interest or think he sort of falls down and this is maybe where he falls down in the the top tens or the Mount Rushmore's and stuff. Talk me about this sort of period for Randy Orton and your thoughts about Randy at this
2: point. Yeah, mate. I mean, absolutely. It, it was it, it was an interesting time for me because I don't think he had anything anything really to do. You know, there was no kind of real definition behind him. It's like I think one of the things that um, we discussed around that point was he always kind of had structured things because he came in and at, at such a young age, he was obviously the rookie. Then he was in Evolution, and then he went off and did his own thing. But here, it was just, he's Randy Orton. He's, you know, just, he's, I mean, at this point in time, and I mean, you could question, I mean, I know he's held 13 world titles. For me, I would probably have preferred it if he'd have held five or six times and had meaningful runs with them all that you can remember. I mean, you know, at this, at this point, I was probably questioning, what is Randy Orton? Is Randy Orton enough? There wasn't a huge amount, obviously. it was. This was at the time where he was running alongside Cena. Yeah, Cena was just obviously besting him. Yeah, quiet, quiet time. It was just hopscotching. There was nothing, no kind of real definitive things. It was just match-to-match Orton uh, at this point in time for me. I didn't appreciate it. I didn't think there was anything that I needed to grasp onto. Anything, And because of how samey things are in terms of match quality and stuff, there wasn't really a huge amount that I could grasp to to talk about, really. No, it was... Yeah, it was a down period for me. Yeah, and before we move on to maybe
0: the last two sort of periods of his career that I really want to f- focus on, I just want to talk to, talk very briefly about him putting people over. And there's a couple of people that pop into my head. Mark Henry is one for his first world title. Jinder Mahal for another one. I would say Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania 30, but technically it was Batista that tapped out. But that sort of whole feud there. Spud, do you think there's any stock in putting randy orton up there as someone who helps get other people over or do you think that's very generous of me to say that he helps get people over
1: i was listening to him on the edge and christian podcast a couple of like last year sometime and he was talking about at this point in his career he wants to just help people get over even he lost the title to aj as well i don't know if that's literally just me trying to remember but i think at this point, he's been knocking about the WWE on and off for, what, 17 years, 18 years? Yeah. There or thereabouts. He does have stock. You can not be at the top level. Even though he did flounder, like we've talked, for two decades, I mean, it just shows you the talent that he's got. Getting the rub off Randy Orton, I think, again, he doesn't mind doing it. He'll do what he's told as long as you pay him. I think he's happy to drop the title, the gender, in the most hilarious title reign of all time. And
0: I think who was the other one that you mentioned? Matt? Uh, Mark Henry. Remember with the of Fame oh, yeah, thing was Mark going Henry. on. What I love, yeah, Mark that. Henry. So I was I was so buzzing I. when Mark Henry won that belt.
1: Yeah. Uh, same. No, I think he's happy to do the the job. To use an insider term it, i think it holds some weight even the christian feud i know christian won it by like
0: dq, DQ and stuff yeah.
1: like that but he was still there so you always talk about getting the rub and rubbing shoulders with people if you're in a feud with randy orton you're doing something right yeah. even the fact that evan Bourne is still getting like shown on wwe for taking randy orton's move and it's <laughs> been about 10 years since that i think that shows how much stock randy orton has and how much of a great career he has, and yeah, no, I think it definitely helps. It's not going to hinder your career, put it that way. Don't hinder gender.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a couple of ones I actually did forget to mention. Really, at the start of um, Roman Reigns, big singles push. Roman beat Orton clean at Summerslam mm-hmm. in a very good match. And um, sort of goes under the radar based on the sort of push that Roman had for the next sort of three, four years after that. Pete, what do you think Randy Orton in terms of getting people over, putting people over his stock? He, you know his feud with the Shield. Whenever he reunited with Evolution, he's had good matches with Rollins. He's put Rollins over at times, albeit there's times where he's won. Give me some thoughts Randy the Orton in terms of helping other talent develop, getting people over.
2: Uh, key, really. You know, if you, if you when you look at the depth of their roster. You know, I think he's probably one of the integral guys that they have left really to put people over to, you could look at somebody like, uh, Adolf Ziggler, who's been there at the same time and, and the, and the, the ratio is never really the same. Orton, he kind of, you know, he has the ability to work with commodity and just make them perfect. I know it sounds silly, but it's like the thing with Tommaso Ciampa recently on Twitter. If that was to be turned into a TV feud, it would be great i think the thing is with orton is like we've said he's not afraid to to take a powder he's not afraid to take a fall to bring somebody else up um i think the thing is that's kind of helping him at the moment now is obviously his age we've seen all aspects of his career and he's getting now to the point where people can start challenging on that i've never had a problem with it i've always thought people that he's uh, worked with an elevated, has come out well. He's a good, he's good for it. He's a good hand. He's got the skill. He's got the quality. And like I say, he's one of those, uh, one of those only few people now that really have that ability left in the company.
0: I, I would agree with you, hundred percent. Moving on from there, he had a bit of a face run, a face round the order sub nobody really wants to see teaming up with Big Show, with Sheamus, with Dolph Ziggler, with Ryback, with all sorts of people to try and beat The Shield for about six months. Um, put on some decent matches, in fairness, with The Shield. Those six-man tag matches were at that time were very, very good. Um, it was really at this sort of time where WWE was beginning to slowly turn to having more longer wrestling matches on their weekly TV shows. And I felt those six-man tag matches really helped there was a a period which always sticks out in in my head anyway where Swad you mentioned it earlier so i'll start with you on this one where wwe pulled the trigger on randy orton and john cena when they linked or unified both titles the world title and the wwe title in a ladder match and they had a lot of ex-champions in the ring and the crowd really hijacked it and there's that famous video with punk just laughing in the background as I think it was Triple H trying to cut a promo to build up Orton and Cena, and the crowd are just going crazy for Daniel Bryan. Um, Mark Henry holds his hand up and all the... Oh, yeah, yeah. try and calm them down, yeah, something that. like that, yeah. What What do you think of that sort of time period with Orton? And um, Do you think WWE are sort of making a bit of a mistake here, or do you think there was that long-term plan to get Daniel Bryan over... I personally don't think there was. I think the the, the clamour of the fans really changed their mind, events being like, oh, there's money here in Daniel O'Brien. But um, what do you think about Orton in that sort of vein, in that sort of time period? Was that another sort of switch off for you? Here we go with Cena Orton again. Or did you see it going <laughs> yeah. somewhere?
1: I mean, I wasn't shocked when it was announced. I'd, I was upset that it was announced. I was like, just, okay and it's like oh uh, he won the title as well didn't he He unified them both who cares i think the wwe have it in their head that this is like a massive feud and it's not i mean it is your two biggest stars but they don't work well together in my opinion this is all about opinions obviously i think it seriously belittles they brought out every world champion that they had on the books that promo that you're talking about and triple h just droning on for 20 minutes about how great everybody is but these two are the best and it's kind of like right so these two are the only two that you care about then it kind of came across like that to me the fans hijacked it rightfully so fans were sick of it and i think seeing an ordinance it's not their fault they're just doing what they're told but i think this was a sort of looking into yourself kind of moment for cena and orton it's like right cena started to improve as a worker going forward orton kind of looked into himself and thought right what have i had to do to reinvent myself a little bit because that's not the reaction you want i don't think orton cared ultimately but the longevity of his career sort of relied on how the crowds reacting to him so he had to do something if that makes sense but serious to turn off uh, yeah. x Pac hate whatever you want to call it <laughs> i don't hmm. I do not care about them two fighting and never want to see them fight again in even a real fight if they ended up signing for the ufc tomorrow i wouldn't buy the (laughs) pay-per-view do you know what I mean? it's just uh turn go away lads pick somebody else pick somebody mad just have mark henry and john cena
0: why not Uh, very good pete you touched on something earlier about Randy Orton having multiple title reigns, and instead of having 13 reigns, whatever you wish, he would have had five meaningful reigns. Just before Orton unified this title, there was a bit of a hot potato with that title, um, a pretty maybe a forgotten Randy Orton and Daniel Bryan feud before they really went home to the 20 sort of uh, 14 Mania, where Orton was the champion, he dropped the title. Daniel Bryan at Night of Champions due to a quick count by the referee the next night on Raw, Triple H was like no, it doesn't count, Bryan you're not the champion. Bryan refused to give the title back to Orton they fought again at Battleground, no contest Big Show ran in then the next month at Hell in a Cell Orton regains the title so there's a couple of title runs in there and title wins in there for Randy Orton. There's, I think there's three in total if you go all the way back to the start of 2013, to the end, which are sort of really forgotten runs. I know you mentioned it before. You, do you feel that undervalues Randy Orton's title run when we when you talk about a Randy Orton and say, oh, he's a 13-time world champion?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I was actually looking at that just. Um, you know, the, the I've got down for, from some quick notes that I jotted down earlier that between his last title run, when he beat Christian in the No Holds Barred match of August 2011 at SummerSlam. You know, there was kind of really nothing there. It was kind of a down period in his career. He'd taken that drop down into the card. Uh, he'd obviously then turn face, won money in the bank. And it was then, obviously, that heel cashing to join the authority with Daniel Bryan at the SummerSlam there in August. Yeah. And, and then, like you say, it was just hot potato then up until December when he unified with, with Cena. I think the biggest thing for me with a lot of Orton's uh, title reigns is they've either come out of nowhere or been totally irrelevant. I mean, as a quick overview of uh, some notes that I scribbled down for his title reigns, uh, did you know that actually Randy Orton has actually won the, the World Heavyweight title, whether it be WWE or the big Gold, three times from the position of vacancy? So the title... <laughs> Uh, And it's just mind-boggling. Two of those cases were at least multiple man-matches, which meant he didn't really have to have a reason to be in the ring anyway. He just walked out with the title. So a lot of these things are kind of unforgiven in terms of remembering how these things occurred. It's great being a 13-time champion, but I remember all of Bret Hart's five World Heavyweight title wins, even the fourth where he got screwed the day after winning it by Sid because they meant something, and um, and to me, it would kind of, it would. it I don't know whether this is just a personal thing, but for me, it would solidify if I could remember the five occasions that you've been champion, other than 13 when I can only remember three.
0: Yeah, no, I would agree. It, it certainly, it looks brilliant on a resume or a CV, but, when you do sit and think about when you won each of one of these, it does you do sort of struggle. And like you with yeah. Brad Hart, I'm the same with Stone Cold. You know, every title reign to me sticks out. Every win sticks out. Even dropping at the key at King of the Ring and winning at the next night, it sticks out. Um, yeah. whereas, whereas these don't, and that is something that not only Randy Orton but perhaps a John Cena, Triple H have to deal with. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'd that.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'd argue that as well. I mean, there was an interesting... I was watching some Universe before we came on, and one of the matches that I watched, ironically, even though it was a lot later in both career, it was Austin versus Triple H from the Saturday show Super Showdown. Cole made a comment that was really interesting to the point that I, re- I rewound the footage so I could write it down to, to bring it up, because it wasn't so much what Cole said. It was the follow-up from Graves. And I think it kind of solidifies a lot of everything we've been talking about and I think he's going to be one of those post-career legends that we sit and think about. Cole turned around and said that Orton resents being considered an afterthought uh, over people like Flair, Cena and Triple H, although he is a 13-time champion. Corey Graves retorted with, well, maybe we resent him because he's on TV every week and he's still full-time active. And part of me agrees with that. I didn't even think about that until I heard that comment.
0: Yeah, I think that we do take him a little bit for granted you know he is on tv so often it was actually something that popped into my head but I never said it when we talked about the undertaker earlier we talked about taker and the feud with taker and whatnot and you sort of think that taker had somewhat maybe a 20 odd maybe a bit longer than that run with wwe whereas Orton sort of touching those same heights but he's been there full time at, at bar, what spud said the odd you know hiatus for a couple of months or six weeks off but You know, there wasn't a couple of years without Orton or there wasn't a year without Randy Orton. I mean, he's consistently there, which is good, which brings us to one of our last points. We'll talk briefly about the resurgence of Randy Orton here with Edge. Spud, over to you. The return of the legend killer, Randy Orton, this year, 2020, and probably going on to feud with McIntyre, I hope, for the WWE title at SummerSlam this year. Any thoughts on this year's version of Randy Orton so far?
1: Yeah, I've already brought it up before. It's kind of an amalgamation of his two best runs as Randy Orton, the psycho and c- combine that with the legend killer again. Um Rick Flair is going to get RKO'd yeah. him coming out with him every way. He is destined. And I think if there was a crowd there, anytime he's looking over at Rick, I'm sort of thinking this would get a crowd reaction. I like him. Like I said, it's a combination of R2 favorite potsy. So at this point, he's a veteran. I like his work. Like, he he kicked Big Show in the head and got down and started shouting in his ear. You know, I told you, I told everybody and uh, stuff with Christian Edge. Love it. That's way it was going to be. I thought with the Rumble, it was going to be Rated RKO for one more match and stuff. And I'm like, ah, it's played out. Are they really? Was everybody clamoring for them to get back together, or do you want to fight? So. I think it's the best way they could have done it and i think him and edge have obviously had a conversation about it and this is the best that came out of it really enjoy his, his current character
0: pete over to you anything this year from randy orton that sticks out or uh, even yeah. even a bit of excitement for drew mcintyre to face orton potentially at summerslam
2: uh, yeah kind of argue with it um, i've kind of shied away from a lot of the product uh, so far this past year especially this post uh this covid situation stuff because it's i just i can't get into it and it's not a knock on, on on anybody in particular just the environment of it and i just it's not something i can get into but i've been keeping an eye on the stuff it, it's it's a shame really because i think with an audience this stuff with edge and an autumn would have been incredible again i like the rick flair stuff for those of you that don't know, Ric Flair's a bit of a hero of mine. So with everything that's going on, especially in the states at the moment, I do wince every time I see him on TV. <laughs> so I don't want—I don't want anything to happen to uh, to, to Ric Flair. I—I uh, I don't know how I'd uh, continue with uh, being a sane person, but yeah, it, it's good. I like how they've gone back to that. I like how he's there, and as Spud says, it's an amalgamation of both uh, psycho psycho wharton and legend killer because it it kind of feeds into how i see him defining his career at the end of his career which will we will go on to no doubt in a moment but yeah no all good so far from promos to in-ring work seamless absolutely seamless
0: yeah and i'll stick with you before moving back to spud the legacy of his career nope nothing to do with the stable the legacy of his career and his future give me your thoughts and then we'll move to spud to wrap it up
2: you can't argue anything that he's achieved, that he's accomplished. You know that number thirteen is there for a reason. I just think it needs to be tied together. There's been a big chunk of time within Randy Orton's career where it's like, what's he doing? What 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 what's his role? Who is he feuding with? And a bad thing. You know he's there, he's elevated other people, and you can see in the uh, at a molecular level what he's doing with other people. But to, to keep it with Orton. I think we need a bow on, on, on everything. He's been the legend killer, but he's never been the legend. I think as we go into the last 10 years of his career, you know, he said himself he wants to retire when he's 50. We kind of all, almost need to go into this state now where put the title on him and keep it on him. You know, he needs, he needs a chaser. He needs to be a heel that's, you know, he can cut up let's, let's use, for example, Austin Theory. Let's get Austin Theory over. Let's get Austin Theory over in front of a crowd so we've got some reaction. So Austin Theory can be not not that legend killer because, obviously, that is a very clear-defined clear, clear defined heel role. But the next guy that's coming up, the guy that's taking on these big names, and he's defeating them, and then it gets to that point where, he's, where it's Orton. Or Orton in general, as he's he's going along, I almost kind of... It's going to be funny because Spud's going to laugh when I say this guy's name. Um, I almost want it to be like the Nick Bockwinkle character where you know the guy is clearly coming to the end of his career, but he's still got it. And where he might not have the speed, the pace, the strength, he's got the experience, he's got the tact. I think that's where Orton, realistically, in the next 10 years could define his career. I honestly feel that we're still in the middle of Orton at the moment. I think this next 10 years, as long as he can go down a route where he can clearly define himself as a legend, as as somebody to beat meaningfully, because at the minute for me, Xavier Woods beat Randy Orton on SmackDown, but that's not his fault. That's the booking, that's TV, that's the way it is. And like Graves said, we take him for granted. I think a lot of how we feel about Orton is going to be, after he's finished, like for me personally, Chris Jericho. I don't think of Chris Jericho in the same way as I think of others, but you can't argue him either, and I think Orton's going to be the same. I think he needs a defined, mature character that he can work with as a legend, and when you beat him, it means something for you.
0: Spud, your take, Randy Orton in the future
1: think everything pete said is pretty bang on i don't think we're in the tail end of randy orton's career even in spite of his age i think he's got a lot to offer i think the company just trust him anytime there is a little bit of floundering they'll just give him a title the way he's going if he's going another 10 years he has to break the record in my head if he's 13 now and he's going for another 10 years and he's building up to a feud with drew he might break the record maybe accidentally but Exactly what Pete said. I think hindsight will be the best thing for Randy. You don't know how good you've got it till it's gone. Like when you moved to Canada, mate. I miss you so much. But but it's exactly what Pete said. You know, you have to. uh, He's obviously one of the best ever, but will not realise that until he's sort of away. And yeah, fantastic career so far. Looking forward to seeing where it goes, especially this year. 100%.
0: Hundred percent. This year has been a definitely a, a throwback as the sort of amalgamation of the two, probably the two best characters of Randy Orton. It's been a welcome sight after you know a couple of years of maybe just sort of, I wouldn't say just being there because he's put, he is putting people over. He is still having decent matches and, and whatnot, but certainly at the top of the card is being like, oh, what's Randy Orton doing? It's certainly been a return to that, and which has felt like a very long time rather than just being another guy who's there and has a bit of a following. But, gentlemen, thank you so much for coming on today. That was our Randy Orton review. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Just before we leave, Pete, give me your one moment of Randy Orton's career that sticks out for you.
2: Spitting in Mick Foley's face and kicking him down the stairs. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Sticks out 100%. Spud? Spud?
1: Just all the cool RKO's. I think the best thing that happened to him was that whole meme out of nowhere—the Evan Bourne one, the Seth at Mania one. I like when he—I know it's not one moment or whatever, but I like when he's buzzing when he's hit really a really good one. Yeah, and he's like celebrating and smiling and jumping about. So just anytime <laughs> he's hit a really good RKO. Real
0: yeah big time brilliant finisher agree with you what you nah. said earlier about the stunner gentlemen thank you so much for coming on Peter it's been your first time on absolute pleasure
2: yeah no thank you for having me I, uh, yeah it was really good I really enjoyed it great talking to you guys
0: yeah Spudgun as always Alan's going to hate me for using that term I, I didn't use it the whole podcast apologise yeah. not Spudgun Spud thank you for for coming on and as always you need to give our friends a shout out for our theme song.
1: Yes, of course. Uh, our theme song, "Closer" by the Fake Flirtations. Look them up on Spotify. Give them a like on Instagram. You can find me on Instagram, Rn Spud, or RnSpud Spud One on Twitter. If you want to come and see me slag off Patsy. Thanks to Pete for coming on as well. Do you want to throw out your Twitter handle so people can follow you if they want to, Pete?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me on Twitter at here Hear It Different. I'm a full-time hearing aid wearer, so I kind of throw little bits out about my life, about how I feel with uh, transitioning from not being able to hear that much and tinnitus suffering to wearing full-time hearing aids, and I also troll Dave Meltzer on Twitter. (laughs)
0: <laughs> nice. A very a very favourite pastime for quite a few of um quite a few wrestling fans I'm sure. But gentlemen
2: I do hit- know that Uncle Dave uh, tweets your stuff, so if he does listen, hi Dave. <laughs> I doubt he's listening to us, especially after the last podcast. I don't know
0: if you've heard it yet, Pete, where we troll his star rating system. But certainly, if Dave you're listening, thank you so much for your for your support. <laughs> <laughs> And um, from all of us here at the podcast, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for listening to the podcast with me, your host, Darren. Please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the podcast. Thanks for your time. Stay safe and tune in next time.